So here on the Beers of the Round Table, we always, you know, we're talking about beer. Sometimes we talk about brewing beer because, you know, a lot of us here on the show, we, we brew beer. And it's, it's something that we, we, we really enjoy. It's always been a fun part for us. I mean, cause we love drinking beer, but we love making our own beer too. It's, there's just something about it. It's part of the holistics behind the beer process. Yeah. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we actually have a little promo for anyone who actually wants to make their own beer. Yeah. So if you, if you listen to Beers at the Round Table, you like beer, you want to, you know, try your hand at making your own beer. Maybe you've got like, you know, this crazy idea to put, you know, uh, I don't know. Something crazy in beer. Well, peanut butter. Peanut butter, yeah. Peanut butter beer, yeah. It's been hey, done, yeah. but you can do it yourself, too. So uh, <laughs> go over to beersoftheroundtable.com slash homebrewing, and you'll you'll find lots of homebrewing equipment, kits, guides, and all that kind of stuff to just kind of get started and maybe find your own way. <laughs> I mean, I, I just went there, and I got everything I needed for the uh, cider I'm brewing up, and uh, we're going to bottle that pretty soon. I'm... I'm really excited. Yeah, and if you do go to beersoftheroundtable.com slash homebrewing, you're really going to help out your favorite um, what local podcast. Yeah, <laughs> podcast for a podcast. You're going to help us out a whole lot. So uh, <laughs> please do. <laughs> Thank you. All right, welcome to Beers of the Round Table. Um, this is our second cast of the year, right? Yeah, yeah we already did one this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about the beer already. Um, and so, also, just for all of our viewers who have been keeping count, it is episode twenty, our twentieth episode, and we are still here. And yeah. we got two beers tonight. Yeah, two beers two for beers. episode twenty. Special yeah. beers. Yeah. So um, yeah, really excited about this. this. The greatest beers. <laughs> So Martin House Brewing, we've had a few beers from Martin House on the show. Um, pumpkin spice. Latte. Over, overall, we really like the 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 the, the brewery. Um, the pumpkin spice latte, not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, this week we're pretty excited. We got their cookies and cream. Uh, technically, a beer series, I guess. There's one beer, cookies, and the other beer is cream. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, so you got cookies, which is a cookie dough stout. Um, that's a six point two alcohol. Uh, and then cream, which is a rich cream ale um, at 6%. So I'm a little bit curious about this cream ale. Yeah, me too. Because um, We make a cream ale. Yeah, we make a cream ale, and it's not creamy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the thing, is that cream ale is a misnomer. It's not a creamy beer. There's, really? There's not really anything creamy about it. Um, what you can kind of think of it as a ale version of a light lager. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's usually a really light, crisp, refreshing beer. Uh-huh. But since this is like cookies and cream... I'm curious what they're going to do with it. Like, yeah. is this one actually going to be creamy? Like, you know? Yeah, what color is it going to be? Yeah. yeah. So, like, <laughs> the suspense is killing me. <laughs> All right. So, before we crack into these, let me let me remind you how this is going to go. So, um, we, we're, we're going to do our serving as per suggested by uh, Martin House Brewing. So, what we're going to do is we've got, we each have three glasses. Correct. Everybody has three glasses. We all have three. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit of cookies, have a little bit of cream, and then we're going to blend the beers together and have cookies and cream. Oh, yes. And in addition, at some point during the cast... Um, we, we also have real cookies. Yes. My wife, Kara, was was so so nice to, to bake us some cookies for 
unintentionally for this cast. She didn't know we were going to have this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but she but did hey, it anyway. Uh, so it worked out. We should we should be very thankful for that. All right, let's do it. Wait, which one are you cracking first? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we said cookies first, right? Well, uh, it doesn't even matter. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to crack them all and pour them and drink it at my leisure. Ooh. Oh, wow. Cookies smells good. Oh my gosh! Smells that like smells like uh, Nestle Toll House. Yeah, so, so, so do be on. careful of your proportions. Uh, yes, I don't know about my proportions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. I hope our listeners can tell how how extremely excited we are about this. Yes, this has definitely been on the. Uh, this has been a beer on the chopping block that we wanted to try for a while. So I think I'd actually re- recommend everybody to use your snifter for mixing. Yes, because it's bigger. Absolutely. So I'm gonna switch over to that. So it turns oh, out no. the, uh, the cream ale is a light, very light. That eh, looks like a cream a, ale. Yeah, it's got a little bit of haze to it, but that that definitely looks like a cream ale. <laughs> All right, All right. mix it up. <laughs> it's wrong. Mad scientist. So I'm actually really curious if like which beer you pour first in your mix matters well i poured them both at the same <laughs> oh time. my god dude that is really really interesting and actually surprisingly good okay that was the mixture that i just had a sip of by the way <laughs> i All have right. a suspicion that more cookie dough will make it better but i have a taste of the cream oh yeah so that's that's important that the uh the cookies i think i already said it it's a cookie dough stout yes so. yes, yes, um, yes 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 all right, so... Uh, do, you, do you guys taste the cream ale yet? No. No, I haven't tasted anything yet. What? Uh, we're, like, we're, we're just going to go ahead and go on with this, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I believe you, you are our topic master today. Hey, I was supposed to surprise everyone over here, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. Who is our topic oh, master of the night? Just... Hey, guys, it's me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm shocked. Well, tonight, guys, I have a... Uh, there's a very, very special announcement here at Beers of the Roundtable. We were all Nintendo kids growing up, and we still um, have – a majority of us have the uh, Nintendo Switch, and all of us would like to have, make sure that we have Nintendo Switches and all of their accessories in the future. They today – or yesterday, actually, announced something truly amazing, which was the uh, Nintendo Labo, a very, very interesting – uh, a peripheral accessory, which would be, uh, they, it, it's basically cardboard, just cardboard accessories. Cardboard engineering. <laughs> yeah, that that you put your 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 little uh, Nintendo Switch uh, remotes in there. What what are those called? Uh, Joy cons. Joy cons. You punch your Joy cons in there. Everybody's like pushing VR hardcore. Yeah, and VR, Nintendo's like, here's a box. AR, <laughs> VR but augmented reality. It, too, it shows. Know? It shows though. It shows that they are more right now saying, look, VR will be cool maybe one day. They've already had the whole bring yourself into the game immersion systems down since like you know the Wii. You know they start. They were the ones that I think started that with motion controls. But the yeah. thing is, is that they still understand that the best thing right now is still a physical um, peripheral device. You know, physical gaming is going to be better than VR gaming for, I mean, quite some time. Future. Well, now I don't. I don't think so much that like that's the stance that they're taking. Like for the, sure, like something that they like clearly stated right before they made this announcement was that this is for kids and kids at heart. Right. So I, I definitely don't think like you know this is going to be like oh this is like you know a mainstream gaming um, platform or anything like that. I think it's like you know this is this is you know something for for kids. You know they're they're going to get to like you know build. God, excuse me. 
<laughs> um, they're going to get to you know put something together, build it, like figure out how like this these mechanical things work. Um, it's going to be like you know a learning experience. You know, it, it's got a game built into it too. I don't think it's more of like you know this is Nintendo's answer to VR. It's just that rather than like you know trying to go on with something like that, Nintendo wants to create uh, a new innovation like they always do. Yeah, well, I mean, I even heard in one of my podcasts today they had um, they had parents write in. They were saying that you know typical cut and cut and make or whatever type things like this at a you know hobby lobby or whatever would be probably around 30 bucks yeah and so what the dad was getting at was i think they stated this takes about maybe like two and a half hours to three hours to make so you get that bonding time of actually making the thing and then there's actually a replayable game associated with it yes so it's not just thrown away after you make it so he said you know the 70 dollar price point is really nothing because it actually provides something more than what the $30 ones. Yeah. So the, you, um, well, the, the first option, the variety kit, comes with cardboard, rubber bands, and string. And that's that's wow. it. And that's for the fishing rod, motorbike, and piano, a house, and remote-controlled cars. And that's the crazy thing, is that uh, uh, <laughs> that's something that you can get at the store. And I, I just absolutely love that. They didn't, I mean, of course they're going to want you to go through and buy the Labo kit and everything else like that. But say your kids, you know, spill something on there or they tear it up just because of usage and stuff like that. You can go through and rebuild it for yeah. pretty cheap. And the thing is that $70 for the top level kit, right? Is it 70? Yeah. No, the top level is uh, 80. Oh, 80. The entry 80. level is 70. Okay, okay. 80 is still cheap as can be. And the thing is, that that's cost of one, you know, one game in DLC, well, it feels yeah, like. See, the, yeah, that's that's the main thing. The biggest cost of that is actually the deal, or I'm sorry, the the, the software associated with it. Um, yeah. Nintendo was saying that they will be selling replacement pieces of cardboard if you actually do need it. So right. cool. you can buy it a la carte if you need it. And, yeah. The, or, go ahead, the longevity of these things is kind of some a question I kind of wanted to bring up too. Do you guys think that the the kids who are going to play with this are going to like look back on these with nostalgia, like kind of the way that we look at our Game Boys and stuff, you know? But because you know, to me, it seems that like the cardboard is going to be gone by that point, and it's like, oh, it was cardboard. I mean, but like we have these artifacts almost that we can look back on and reflect. Well, I mean, the nice thing about the cardboard, I mean. As, so long as you still have like the game cartridge, or you know, in the future a ROM or something like that, maybe um, the cardboard designs are probably something that you can print out easily. Yeah, uh, oh. people are going to like you know save these designs. You can download design, you know, cut out from a from any box that you have. It's just cardboard. That is true. So well, not dip your cookie into the beer. It is absolutely <laughs> no. disgusting. Okay. Well, you're supposed to dip it into the cream one, not into the cookies and cream one. I don't know if I trust you about this one. <laughs> no, um, what one thing I was going to say about the technology behind this is, um, I believe under the right Joy-Con there is that IR sensor, right. and so that's what's actually sort of powering most of these. So, the piano one, for example, you know, you're not actually really hitting keys, but it's just seeing which ones are moving, right, and then representing that in the game, and that's how music is made. Yeah. So, um, I would. Um, sort of compared to kind of on your point, Joseph, to like a bottle rocket or not a bottle rocket, uh, you know, like the paper rockets that you make and shoot off in a field. Oh, you know? yeah, those were fun. You know, those like craft those rockets fun. you yeah. made. Like, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, you know, it's been probably 15 years since I've done something like that, but 
you know, I still have those memories and I probably don't have the rocket anymore. But yeah, it is something I look back fondly on of, you know, the this cool little rocket. Like I actually made one from scratch. Like I didn't That's cool. buy like a pre made one. Like I had to like actually roll it and glue it and put it all together. Yeah, and yeah. put the little explosive charges in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember Try not to blow your fingers off. We exactly. had a, a whole rocket day at my elementary school. I remember that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't get that. No. When I was a kid, no. No, we didn't no. get Rocket Day. We did have, like, <laughs> ours were, like, you know, little kind of plastic model rockets, I think, that we, like, shoved a little ignition charge inside of it and then went out there and, you know, ignited it. They didn't do that at all because kids had blown off their fingers. Well, so yeah. It's a liability. Uh, <laughs> I completely understand why they wouldn't do that at a school. I mean... I did mine for school. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, like, did did a teacher sit down with you and show you how to build an explosive? We didn't make the explosive part, but <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Scott. Do you or do you not know how to make a, cru- a, a, a cruise missile? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, mine did kind of like swirl a bit, so you can't really trust the uh, the trajectory on there. I yeah, gotcha. yeah. No, what it's we had stable. in school though was like you know uh, vinegar and baking soda rockets. No, those were volcanoes. No, what we did? <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. The rockets that we had was like you would take like a two liter. <laughs> you take a two liter bottle, put some water in there, and then like a rubber stopper with like one of those like uh, bike pump needles in there, and then you just pump air in there until like you know the pressure builds up and you know, it shoots <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if kids nowadays use like the Mentos and Coke. No, they just oh, use probably. Tide Pods. <laughs> Dang it. Tide Pods and Ajax mixed into like some acid. Good old Ajax. <laughs> hey man, shit's good. But yeah, so what exactly do you guys know? Uh, let's talk about real quick. What all peripherals did that uh, did the uh, Labo actually come with? I'm seeing here um, motorbike, fishing rod, piano, a house, and a remote. What what, the, what was the house for exactly? Did they? I, don't, I don't know. I don't I remember know seeing sh- it. But. I remember seeing the house. I don't remember what the application side of the house was. You think like maybe like a tamagotchi kind of deal, like where you have like a little critter that lives in the house, well, and you feed like, it or something. Like if I remember from the video, um, the house is more <laughs> kind of like a dock itself for the for the switch tablet. Like you, you made the house and you put the the the, the switch in there, and right, then like the right. switch screen was like the inside of the house. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. that's pretty. Cool. So I don't I don't know like what all went on with it, you know, cardboard wise, but that's what I remember seeing in the video. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, it looks like the second kit called the robot kit also lets you assemble the your own robot robo kit. kit. Yeah, the robot <laughs> kit looked really cool. Lets it's you assemble your own uh, cardboard exoskeleton to control a virtual robot. Both packages will arrive on April twentieth with a variety pack. Read, read that. Read that again. Second kit called the Robot Kit lets you assemble your own cardboard your exoskeleton. Your own cardboard exoskeleton. <laughs> yeah, you guys didn't see it. it was no, 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 no. I, I just wanted to sink. Just Sorry, let that sink in. in. You can make I just it. wanted it to sink in. <laughs> that that they're giving people the ability to live make out their the own exoskeleton of being in a, a card. You know what would be cool suit? too, man? Is that you like wrap that? Like, uh, could you imagine being a little kid and wrapping that shit in like some aluminum foil? Some foil, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. that's something. Like I noticed in the videos, they were doing a lot of personalization of these cardboards. That's what's freaking cool. With the it's markers. Genius. You know what? They they really should have um like. Coined the term uh, augmented imagination. Oh, yes. dude. Trademark it now. <laughs> augmented imagination. I mean, you like, heard it here first. If you, if you think about it a little bit, that's kind of like what they're doing. Because, like, you know, with with the robot and stuff, you know, it kind of brings back the old, you know, childhood fantasy, more, you know, more, you know, imagining, you know, oh, I'm a robot. 
You know, like look at my exoskeleton. <laughs> but I mean, like you know, without like you know things I don't like think that. I knew the word exoskeleton when I was like eight. No, <laughs> uh, of course. But I mean, like you know, look at my Iron Man suit. <laughs> I mean, right, right, right now you got kids, you know, just sitting down watching um, YouTube people play video games. But you know, with, with, with this, they can they can imagine again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just a thought. I think that it's a. Uh, I think it's a really great. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I know a lot of people are like. Well, where's the where's the Smash Bros at, man? I thought we were going to be getting Smash Bros. Yeah, bro. No, okay, yeah. Metroid Prime Four, bro. I want to talk about this. So, <laughs> right before this announcement, we also had the mini direct, right? Right, right where they announced Dark Souls oh, and Payday. Yeah, and all they that announced other stuff. a lot of really mm. good games, and everyone's like, "Ooh, we, we don't get Smash Bros. Ooh, we don't get all the games that we want." It's like. I, they well. First of all, they, how long was the Wii U out before we got Smash Bros? How long was the Wii U out before we got a good game? Spoiler: It never happened. I oh, mean, damn, dude. Hey, well, <laughs> Smash Bros. Four is really good. <laughs> yeah, how many people played it? Me? Because no, yeah, okay, you, and then Not everyone me. else is still playing Melee. Melee purist, yes. Um, no, but well, okay. So when the new one comes out for the Switch, all the, the people that are like crying for Smash Bros, I'll be like, Nah, man, Melee. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. And then you know the TV the cycle of retardation <laughs> continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but my point is, um, we've had mini directs before, um, and typically, I believe within three to five weeks after we get a mini direct, we get a full direct. And so, all these announcements that you know, honestly, Nintendo fans want, and they've just been hyping up for themselves, we're probably going to get pretty soon with another direct. And on top of that. Nintendo really doesn't make super big announcements about things till like E3. Yeah. So I I don't understand this idea that all of a sudden, you know, Animal Crossing, Smash Brothers, um, Star Fox, um, as if they've the, been like, the next Metroid game. Um, There's a lot the next of things. Earthbound right now. game. Like I don't. I I, I just. It has never been that all those games are announced at the exact same time. Of course, the not. exact same. But yeah. that's what people think is going to happen. I don't. I don't think the population no. can handle that. The thing is, is that you know what? This is what, uh, what was it Miyamoto that originally said that you know a, a bad game on release will a bad game is bad forever, but a delayed game is can still be like, good. Yeah, yeah will will eventually be good. Right. And that was the that was the No, except for Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> well, Duke Nukem Forever was <laughs> was, was passed doomed. around. Like, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Whenever we're talking about a company's own IP and stuff like that, not something that they inherited or bought off somebody else. It means something more to him, and whenever it comes to Nintendo and their IPs, they're already <coughs> super protective. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the point you're getting at is we just need to be patient and let Nintendo do Nintendo because oh yeah definitely no I'm definitely you know in that camp uh, like they're they're hitting it out of the park right now with like ever since the Switch announcement Nintendo's just been on like this amazing high um, and I just hope that they keep it going because uh, we got two Game of the Year contenders last year right plus right. the fastest selling console ever God oh, yeah. yeah dude um, so that's something to really be proud of um, well, and it, it should even speak to the fact that it is outselling the PS4 in Japan yeah which wow. is the their, major their market turf. that's right. yeah. that's like the the Xbox here in America uh-huh. yeah I mean I, I just I think that just Everyone just needs to relax. I mean, yeah, we, we got Breath of the Wild. We got an awesome Mario game as well that you know 
people are still finding out cool things about. Yeah. And they just released basically free DLC for. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, maybe that's kind of part of the problem is we've gotten some really awesome things already in the Switch, and so they're like, I need more. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> too, I need my fix, man. <laughs> people need to trust that uh, Nintendo knows what they're doing. And that every second that they wait is exponentially – it's it's Nintendo making it exponentially better of a game because every second that they have to work on this development for any of their IPs, it's just – it's just I don't know, man. It's like aging like a whiskey or a fine oh, wine. Yeah. So uh, here, here's something interesting going back to uh, Labo. Um, Matthew commented – I don't know how long ago he commented um, – because uh, my app doesn't show that. <laughs> but um, he, he said that he wished he could get a class set for his students. Like, what, 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 what do you think well, about that? Because like, you know, this would be something that would be, like, you know, useful dude, in a classroom? I mean, I think the kids would fight over it. Well, okay, <laughs> if you had enough that, like, you know, enough of it could go around for, like, students. If, if, if you were a very fortunate teacher. Uh, I mean, I think I can because they did say, like, you won't have to buy all the software like you can just buy the kits without the software, and I'm sure that's going to bring the cost down. Yeah, but the at the same time, be, well, the key will be to be, find a uh, a printer for it because people, if they don't offer it right off the get go, the first thing people are going to do are going to scan it and make like rip off copies. I know that sounds yeah. really messed up, and I want to support the developer, but it depends on how fast Nintendo wants to release those uh, schematics or schematics on the uh, on what the cardboard's actually like. But like right. you said, well, I mean, if it's just cardboard, no cardboard. Unfortunately, Nintendo doesn't have that luxury of not releasing schematics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So either they release it or somebody scans it. and You're going to be able to find it online for free, basically. So then the next thing that you're going well, you to well, you would out, still need the software for it to work. Well, that's what I was getting to. Is how well, I don't know if do. they've said anything yet. <laughs> you just you get a it. you get a projector. <laughs> well, I. Just I just don't feel like they're going to actually go through and just have a game that's only physical copy. They just don't do that anymore. It's not true. It's not. It, you can't do that in this day and age. You, you just really can't. You can't carry around 20 cartridges. That's why they included an SD card slot in there and everything like that in internal mm-hmm. memory. I mean, I know it's not much, but the point well, is. I mean, is like that, <clears throat> any Switch case that you get these days has, you know storage for tons of cartridges like my like super cheap case i got has like probably a good 20 uh uh, cartridge slots right but any console that ever comes out from here on forth is not gonna have uh it's not gonna exclude internet connectivity every console is gonna have internet connectivity from here moving forward yeah so every single console then should have digital downloads here moving forward I think that that's gonna. I think that it, they, they can't avoid it. There's no way to avoid that. Who's saying that they wouldn't or shouldn't? Uh, I'm just saying that they probably won't. But I'm just. I think what Zach's getting at is that there's going to be a digital way to download this, so you're not going to have to front up the oh, okay, 70, yeah. yeah, that's what so, I'm saying. Like, you know, eighty bucks. I, I guess like well, and more if we go back to talking about this in the classroom sense, like you know, yeah, sure. Um, you know, the cardboard would be easy to get, easy to you know find plans for, cut it, all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, you know, getting the switch hardware and getting the the software is probably a little bit more um, preventative or something like that. Because like, you know, a pair of Joy Cons is still yeah. eighty bucks. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Have those. Yeah. yeah. And the switch. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> I still think it is a. I mean, kind of like what we've hit on. It is a good way to expand kids' imagination because <laughs> augmented imagination. Well, I mean, this might this might even just take a kid and. 
even if it means nothing to them right now, later they might be, decide to become an engineer just because oh, yeah, definitely. they have this one class who, with... Yeah. <laughs> they realize where, that they like working with their hands. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, They'll sit in an interview and be like, oh, man, I remember, you know, putting together... Yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the they might be able to... <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, today it's cardboard and, you know, a few years down the line, then they're, you know, hitting the hard stuff, you know, raspberry <laughs> pies and soldering. And... You skip the popsicle sticks. Next thing you find them compiling their own kernel in Unix yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I I think it's great. I mean, I, you know. I think it'd be a good idea. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I mean, it's for, a great for idea. For like a recess sort of type thing, like, you know. Right. I mean, and it just shows, it just shows how Nintendo, it it doesn't care about its competition. They, yeah. they have their own style and they stick with it and. And more so that they haven't lost touch, really. Nintendo's with... never given a f- about the competition, though. <laughs> That's true. Right, but <laughs> you, when when you release not even like a super HD or like a standard HD console into a market that was you know heading to HD like that's kind of where they messed up. Yeah, they're they're always a little bit behind the times, and where it worked was the Wii, and where it worked was the Switch, but then you know where it doesn't work was a perfect example of a Wii U where so it it is not beneficial to them all the time. Yeah. But for the most part, yes, you know. We always get these really mm, refined games from them. So well, you know, I think uh I think it's great that they are accommodating to all markets. Um the adult market that is clearly in love with the Switch, you know, mm-hmm. like us. And they are still building things for, I mean, children too. I mean, they they're they're doing a very even balance, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't show that they're not like completely, like it's not that they don't care about their competition. It's that look, we know that we have competition, but that's not our mar- target market. Right. So they accommodate to everyone, and I feel like they do it perfectly. They do it just perfectly, man. You guys think like this uh, this period in time where like we as millennials kind of grew up on Nintendo and have that nostalgia? Do you think future generations will have like I, know I keep going to this nostalgia thing, but like no, I don't. It's, will it's Nintendo be a big able thing. to like, keep it because I know our generation a characteristic of it is that we're highly nostalgic. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I definitely. I agree with that, but I, I mean, I think any generation is highly nostalgic. Just listening to the way my dad talks with his friends about stuff that they oh, used to yeah, do, yeah. like right, they're nostalgic for stuff that is. But to the point that it's a defining characteristic of their generation. Yeah, because like I mean, if you think about it, you know, sure, every generation is nostalgic, but I mean, our generation, like, we're recreating things that were popular just a mere ten to fifteen years ago. They're recreating stuff that's popular to them. For their generation. Give me a good example. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but I know, <laughs> I know that it is done. I mean, like, I guess for, for us, I mean, you know, the recreations that we're, we're, we're seeing are, like, you know, much more prominent in uh, pop culture. I mean, like, you know, the big resurgences. Right, of, but a lot of their generation stuff is not in pop culture right now, but I'm sure it's still being done. But see, like, you know, the point I'm making, though, is that, like, our generation is forcing our nostalgia into current pop culture. Pokemon Go, uh, you know, NES Classic, SNES Classic remakes, that, you know, you can't keep those things on the shelf. Um, you, things like that. Yeah, but NES is not even of our generation. It's the generation before us. I agree with that, too. 
Um, that's pretty true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, unless you were born in the eighties, but okay, well, uh, <laughs> we weren't born in the eighties. I still stand by Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you to extent, but I also believe that you know nostalgia is with every generation. It's just maybe f- for us right now, it is the mainstream, and right. it's going to hit a point where it's just that. That's you know, let's, let's try to think about this for so a second. So, like, will the strategy continue to work with Nintendo is basically what I'm getting at. As long as they're playing towards the family market and they're actually making products that are good and maybe not... Like, like I think the biggest problem with the Wii U was it wanted to be the Switch, but it wasn't the Switch. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, you had a super low-quality screen... It, it was only 720p. It wasn't even... Right. Well, eight. I mean, the Switch's screen is 720p. Well, yes, but when you dock it, it's 820. <laughs> is one, or, I'm sorry, 1080, yes. <laughs> 820. <laughs> uh, sorry, numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, 1080. Like, my point is, is that I think that their strategy can continue to work as long as it is playing towards the strengths like portability really good like having games mm-hmm. having third party what did the wii u not have and wii u didn't really have a very good third party that all switch just out of the gate you know they were kind of hesitant at first and all of a sudden all these indie developers were releasing on it and it's like this has been the best selling my game has done anywhere or anywhere combined but and then like uh, like indie games that i think are important but i think what's also really important is that we're getting a lot of big uh triple a titles uh right but you won't get those triple a titles unless the people who are willing to put stuff on it like the indie developers well yeah but I don't know. I don't think the indie developers can sway the AAA developers as much. Yes, but, they can. Well, like, if you're talking about you know big developers like you know, uh, namely like EA and maybe Ubisoft. Before we like get that. too far into this, uh, I hope you guys know <laughs> the second topic of for the night was the possibility of the EA bubble popping um, this 2018. We've already had one bubble pop, which was the cryptocurrency bubble. Um, or <laughs> that was a big pop. They call it the pop, but it, it was more of like a correction. It actually yeah. reset pretty. Pretty well. I mean, I, fairly. I that was a pretty it, hard dip, though. It was it for was. a second, and it was scary. It was, I've got, I've got my fair share. A lot in of it. weak hands is what we call them. <laughs> exactly. But it's the, already back at eleven six, which is sure not twenty k, but, <laughs> but it's not five k either. So. Yeah. <laughs> was that the low it hit, or no? That, the low was I'm like saying, eight thousand. Yeah. The low was like eight, yeah, or something like that. Eight hundred, eight hundred, and then it was so, or eight eight thousand. Like, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of uh, Ethereum for like, a second. Like, I get it that, like, you know, relatively speaking, if you think about it as a percentage-wise, it's not a huge... Well, okay, so essentially, it, when it was at its lowest, it was about a 30% dip. And but all... But then, it went back up. Like, it went back up, like, 20%. Oh, yeah, and I get that. Like And like I said, like, in, in a percentage... If you're talking about it in percentages, it's not really, like, a huge deal. But think about it. This thing dropped, like, $7,000. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, you know what? Then guess what? Whenever you people who are getting into the game by starting with cryptocurrencies, moving over to the stock markets, they're going to be feeling pretty safe going over to the stock market. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But see, in the stock markets, it's like you can buy something and it will not do anything for years. Right. True. Yeah. Whereas with this, there's, I mean, a daily at least a dollar change. So, so the at thing is, is that... Well, uh, <clears throat> 
My yeah. point is you could actually make money. <laughs> well, you can make money in the stock market. <laughs> yeah, but... It depends on what you pick. I mean, the same thing with cryptocurrencies. You could be like, oh, I want to go to the safe route. I'm going to pick altcoin X and altcoin Y, and then those things don't do nothing for like 20 years. But I mean, you you, you bet your horse on Bitcoin, and like you could be crashing $8,000. For yeah. sure, but let's let's change this topic over because be that's all I have to say. <laughs> we're talking about uh, we're talking about bubble popping, and the next bubble pop that they are talking about is the EA bubble pop that may soon burst. So EA Activision have been doing some really shady shit with the whole loot box thing. At the end of 2017, we had things like um, the Star Wars loot crates being investigated you mean by EA and Activision. EA and Activision. Yeah. Well, sorry. But the thing was, was that EA in the release of Battlefront was actually uh, investigated by a couple of uh, European countries. I think it was Belgium. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, pretty much yeah. Uh, European countries have kind of, a lot of them kind of decided that this is gambling. And so they decided on it was the big thing. Right. I mean, and they're going to regulate it like gambling. Right. Exactly. Because this is considered a style of gambling that is specifically targeted towards minors or something like that right <laughs> which like, is like you know not okay <laughs> but the thing is minors is that i mean you know that there was another game that came out recently that also had to go through uh ea people might say that europe's a little uh touchy whenever it comes to gaming and you know people they're they're quick to oh no you can't do that you can't do that with like uh, no man's sky they said false advertising originally oh wow with no man's sky a couple years back <laughs> They, I don't think that they. Found I think a lot of no people would have been Sky. really happy about that. Yeah, they would have. Been, <laughs> they would have been, but they didn't find No Man's Sky actually guilty of anything, from what I remember. What they did find was actually Battlefield or Battlefront guilty of uh, of uh, being a, a gambling game aimed at minors, like how Scott said. And the thing that uh, kind of uh, progressed from that was or uh, Disney. I don't know when the chain of events actually started coming down, but Disney was like. <laughs> Hey, um, what the f*** are y'all doing over there? Hey. <laughs> oh, boy, you guys f***ed up real bad. <laughs> Have y'all seen that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Mouse. Yes, Mr. Mouse. If you guys watch South Park, check out the, uh, the South Park episode with the Jonas Brothers and Mickey Mouse. Fantastic. It's exactly what happened, I'm guessing, with EA and Disney with Battlefront 2. Yeah, so, yeah, basically what Zach's alluding to is someone from Disney basically made some calls to EA and was like, hey, like, you need to shut it off. Yeah, yeah, remove this stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I think even until now, you really can't get the loot boxes in any way or something. You can use them in certain ways from what I'd seen, but you you can't pay for them. Yeah. Which it's still so you can just smack the feeder bar until you get Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's still. Well, I mean, they still have the reduced cost for it. They reduced it by what was it eighty percent or seventy percent? What for all of we the we box? covered it. I can't remember how much it was. I don't recall either. Yeah. Anyways, they reduced it by a ton. It's <laughs> not like we really listened to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and exactly. Well, <laughs> my other thing was was that apparently today. Um, there was a, uh, I, I think it was today or yesterday, something like that. Um, you were seeing these reports of uh, certain reviewers that review uh, some of EA, EA's games, like uh, um, Battlefield 1 was a good example. Um, for EA's latest uh, DLC, I think is what was happening, they sat there and they were like, hey, um, we're not going to give you the game, the DLC, to actually test it before time. 
And these guys are like notorious for giving them like good reviews. These reviewers were, and they were like, "Wait, wait, why, why won't you give it to us?" And you know, the speculation I think was that they didn't give them necessarily as high of reviews on these last couple of games. Mm-hmm. And so EA is trying to pull the whole, uh, I guess you could say the, the bite the hand that feeds. Like. The, well, the the Trump kind of thing where they discredit the reviewers and say, oh, you know, fake the, news, like. fake news kind of deal. Well, if you if you don't invite them to your press release, then they can't say anything, kind of deal. And I think they're trying to go on this hush hush kind of thing. So what people are starting to think now is that people are catching on. You know, Battlefront two or yeah, Battlefront two dropped their stock by i mean i think a good amount overall after that release yeah the only thing was they're still profitable for the year Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for sure because they have plenty of other uh softwares to make money off of but the thing is though is that they're not busting out you know triple a games like how they used to and when i say triple a games i don't necessarily mean good games but i mean games that just bring in money the triple a dollars well i mean yeah i mean just think it's like star wars why wouldn't star wars sell well, I mean, if you put a bunch of microtransactions in it... It takes a lot of work to make Star Wars bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, especially since the first game was praised so well. Yeah, yeah, The, the sure. first EA Battlefront? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they're <laughs> it was, and I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people say that the, the, the campaign isn't bad, the gameplay is good, but mm-hmm. literally just the fact that they lock about half of the game's content three yeah, it's quarters just marred of it, by the microtransaction they that's the reason why you know people caught on to it they use youtube as a as a as a means of of educating themselves on the latest and greatest in gaming yeah and not even the reviewers are sitting there and that's the ones that traditionally you know supported ea even they are sitting there and like hey this dlc is kind a week so you know and it's funny because i I'm, I'm a huge destiny 2 fan and I'm, I'm you see this with uh with destiny 2 this past year and their expansion packs and stuff if you check out like the subreddits it's generally pretty negative and they had like the fastest drop off of like any triple a title in like recent memory it was like something really crazy like that and i, I sat there and i thought to myself i was like damn I don't remember the last time I actually hopped on the game. And I really enjoyed it at mm-hmm. first. I did. But as they said, there was no in-game. You know, the only thing that they tried to focus on was shaders and anything that could be bought through the Eververse. You know, this this extra add-on transactionary shit that just keeps getting, like, forced into games. It's like yeah, well, you think you're playing in a game, but you're actually just walking into Walmart, you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But I think the difference between Blizzard, Activision, and... Um, Blizzard does not fall into this category. Well, no, Blizzard Activision is the same company. Blizzard Activision is? Yeah. They're, no. They're, yeah, they are. Look it up. Who owns who? Could uh, EA owns Blizzard? I think Activision is the parent company because Activision is the one that's publicly traded. Oh. Wait, are you... You're for real? Yeah. Blizzard Activision, which oh, publishes... Is this publishes... Is, publishes <laughs> um, Bungie's game. Right. Um, to that, the Blizzard.net. Yeah, that's why it's on the Blizzard app. I thought it was a partnership, dude. Mm-mm. They actually own them? Yeah. Activision owns Blizzard. I'm going to have to ask everybody to give me a second here. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is pretty well, bad. Anyways, um, Bungie and uh, by the property, Activision, have actually been a little bit more vocal and actually trying to get stuff changed as opposed to with... EA, it wasn't until, you know, Mr. Mickey Mouse came and started, you know, snapping snapping necks and, you know, popping kneecaps <laughs> and yeah. telling people like, hey, you need to change it. Like, this is a classic example of if you're vocal with your community, 
you're going to have a lot less headaches. You still might mess up, but you're going to have a lot less headaches than what you have with the whole battlefront thing. The intention is to give the player a sense of pride. When <laughs> <laughs> dude, the thing is, though, is, is that no matter what... I'm sorry, dude. I tried I tried out like Overwatch for the first time uh, last month. Mm-hmm. And the game is so much more well done in the loot crate system and yada, yada, yada. They still have loot crates in there, too. But the thing is, is that it was it's, all it's... purely cosmetic. Whereas, exactly. Why is it that Destiny does have actual weapons that you can't... Like, I understand you can technically unlock them after you go through and you level up however many times and yada, yada, yada. I mean, but there is no end game. There's nothing at all. Every single one of Bungie's games or Blizzard's games that have been coming out have been, I mean, nowhere near the same level as, like, what Activision's been producing that I've been seeing publicly. Well, and see, I think that just sort of speaks to, I think Blizzard is kind of on the same level as Rockstar, where they... (laughs) <laughs> they just take as much time as they need to develop a game, and even when it comes out, they're just constantly updating it. I mean, just think of GTA yeah. Online, like yeah. Yeah. how different that is from when it when it came out. To be honest, I know a lot of people talk a lot of smack about GTA Online and stuff like that. About oh man, it's it's pay to win because you have to get those shark cards and blah 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 blah. I've never bought a single shark card, and I have a blast every time I get on yeah. there, dude. And that's what I mean. Maybe it's the developers that are large mm-hmm. like that that have pull enough over the publisher to where they're like, yeah, I know you want me to put some monetization in here, but uh, real quick, uh, uh, fuck you, I'm not uh-huh. gonna do that shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah. So there are shark cards for. GTA Online, but it just speaks to the gameplay, or even uh, Heroes of the Storm and Overwatch, and there, there's loot boxes, stuff that you can even buy for StarCraft, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. they just made StarCraft free to play. Like, you can just play StarCraft if what? you want now. Yeah, you can StarCraft buy it. And nice. if you have StarCraft 2 already, then you get the expansion. Yeah, you yeah. get all the expansions. Oh, wait, I remember when that happened, yeah, because I was telling my brother about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, if you, you know. haven't started StarCraft 2, it is a phenomenal game. I mean, game. I've got the game, but now I get the expansions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Wings yeah, of Liberty. So, yeah, well, yeah, we Wings of Liberty that. was the original. We should. Dude, we should. I don't have the first one. But I, once once I once I get my new rig up and running, yeah. Cool. So Wings of Liberty, Heart of the Storm, and then Into the Void or cool. something like that was the third expansion. Man, but yeah, I'm, I guess just to top off my point was that you know they actually took the time to craft all these games, and while they still all do have microtransactions, it's nothing that actually affects the players, the overall gameplay, right? The overall gameplay, it's just cosmetic stuff, or for like StarCraft, it's heroes you can use or it's like uh it's like kind of like a dlc hero thing which i guess that sort of affects the gameplay but it's only for like players versus ai so there's not really like an advantage i guess you could say that with hots as well because you do buy but the thing was though is that but like you, they gave bought, away a whole bunch of players remember that they did and the other thing is too is that i've only i only play casually dude and i just yeah. play versus ai and stuff like that and i've already bought an uh rainer and then the uh the russian girl that shoots grenades out of her like little thing that's from overwatch like and i have like i said casual play i've already been able to buy two characters all right and i'm just saying like that's that's different that's different than what like destiny and all their other craps mm-hmm. because the other thing is too is that how is the development going you went backwards in destiny 2 you went back to not having half of the worlds that you originally had like right. of all those expansions and stuff like that you know if you had 
StarCraft, even if you just had the base StarCraft, they just gave you the other two games for free. Like, every single one of Blizzard's games are basically free. Why isn't Destiny 1 free then now? To make up for the fact that you just lost all those worlds and stuff like that, why isn't there cross-play and carryover of Destiny 1 items well, to Destiny 2? See, and then even with Diablo 3, it's like, I think... Pretty much any time an expansion comes out for Diablo 3, yeah. you get the previous expansion for free, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. So, like, I, whatever the, the Necromancer is the most current one, I have all the... I just bought it not too long ago. Let's play I, that, dude. dude I've gotten to play a, some. That's a, a game, game I've never gotten to play. Dude, I had the original one, and I, I didn't mind it, but the thing was, though, is, is that I remember it, like, there was, like, one time that I played it with a friend, and I had so much more fun with it. Like, Blizzard games are just fun to play with friends, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I gotta say, I, well, and we've we've done plenty of uh, of streams whenever we're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's it called? Starcraft One. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just those games are just so freaking awesome. And I don't know, man. I don't know. They they just do it right. They do it right. Damn, now I really want to play Starcraft. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all phenomenal <laughs> games. It's just it, it's it's a crazy thing to think that Activision owns Blizzard, and I I honestly don't think that it's owns. I think it's more. Well, they call it Activision Blizzard, so I, it's a partnership. It is definitely a partnership. Well, look dude. it up. <laughs> it's well, I mean, I, I know it's a shock because Activision tends to rely on re-releasing stuff that's like crap. <laughs> like they re-released a whole bunch of Spider-Man games that they made back in the day, and yeah. they were all super crappily like ported hmm. and stuff like that. Are you talking about like when like the Tobey Maguire movies were coming out? Yeah, oh, like they re-released. Was, a, hey, those were Spider-Man good games Man though. Game. The yeah, second were, one, Spider-Man PS2, Two, was good. Yeah, PS Two, man. <laughs> and then you had what was the what was the guy from Evil Dead that played uh, the voice of like the tutorial in Spider-Man One? Oh God! I don't. I don't know. I've never seen The Evil Dead. Oh, uh, Norm Macdonald. Oh, really? Mm. Or something like that. He's... I vaguely remember this. Yeah, it was really <laughs> funny because you'd be like, "Yeah, you got uh, God, you got to look up. Could you look it up real quick?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't pipe it into the stream. <laughs> oh, shit, man! It was. It was just. And there's there's a couple good Spider-Man games. I'm excited for the new one though. Oh yeah, the new one looks great. It's gonna be fantastic. All right, anything else? Well, just uh, I guess randomly on that note, has anybody seen Spider-Man: Homecoming? I no. have Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. If if I, if I was if I was to just buy it sight unseen, how disappointed might I be? Um, I guess I really don't. <laughs> do you like? Uh, okay, I'll put it to you this way: the enemy of the movie is Vulture. Uh-huh. I have I would have never thought Vulture could be a really cool movie character. Mm-hmm. They made Vulture a really freaking cool movie character. And this doesn't do any of the dumb uh Spider-Man with great responsibility or with great power. They hey don't, man, Willem Dafoe is a treasure. <laughs> yeah, the scariest part about him is is, is his fucking face and his Man, smile. I love Willem Dafoe. Um they they don't do any of the like they they do what do you call that they don't do any of the secret origin, mm. like they just skip over all that stuff, which is great because it just starts with them being Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it gets into the action right off the get go. Yeah, is nice. and it has Iron Man in it. Right? Yeah, I really yeah, liked I it. I liked it a lot actually. I, I'm I'm thinking about getting that that one and I mean, adding to my 4K collection. It, do it. Yeah, it's it, a good movie. If not, <laughs> just like go to a Red Box and see if they they probably still have it at right, Red yeah. Box. Yeah. Without spoiling like too much, I really like the suit. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, like the suit, <laughs> and then there's a tease for what the next suit's going to be in it as yeah. well. 
Cool, cool, cool. So right. wait, can he produce the web? Or? No. So this is more like the comics where he he designed uh, web shooters, and it's like right. a fluid he came up with. Huh. Well, that's odd. That is very <laughs> odd. I just I don't know the origins, but I'm gonna. Yeah, go I'm not, I, I don't know a whole lot of deep lore about Spider Man, but I'll just say that that's odd. <laughs> well, I mean, because he's like he's like a scientist. Yeah. Which. I guess they kind of wait, 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 wait. It's, you're it's you're telling me that he's not a high schooler that was bit by a radioactive spider? <laughs> okay, I mean he like, is. Like, Peter Parker is like as smart as Batman. I would. Yeah, say. He, yeah. Think of him kind of like a Batman, that but not has, rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the Tobey Maguire movies did a terrible job of portraying that. Exactly. Yeah, he has the bump on his arm that can. Oh, <laughs> go web, go. <laughs> Some pizza time. Fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, we might as well. Okay, uh, let's 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 go ahead and talk about um, <laughs> <laughs> the beers. It was great. Well, okay, so we we, we got to figure this one out because we usually we sit here and we give the beer that we drank a one out of ten. Let's do um, cookie then cream then both. Okay, yep. that sounds like a good idea. In a circle. All right, Zach. All right, so go web go go web go. <laughs> uh, cookie stout. This has got to be one of my favorite stouts. It's not as strong as most stouts, I feel like, and that's all right. That's great. That's fine. It's all about the flavor, not about the ABV. And uh, honestly, I thought it was pretty freaking dank. It does actually taste a lot like Nestle Toll House, like the chocolate chips. And uh, honestly, I'm going to give that one an 8.5. That was that was really freaking good. Wait, uh, no, no, no. Over to Joseph. Oh, is that right? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right, oh, okay. Joseph. Yeah, we can do it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so for me, the, the cookie dough stat was pretty good. It, As Zach was saying, it definitely does taste a lot like a chocolate chip cookie or something like that. Um, I want to go ahead and give this one about a seven, uh, just because I've had tastier ones. Mm. <laughs> All right. Scott, cookie dough um, stout. Yeah, I mean, I like this a lot. I think this actually tastes more like chocolate than any other stout that yes. we've had. Like, yes, it like tasting like this chocolate chip. Like I want to say that any other stout I had doesn't really no, taste when you like guys chocolate. Are, when you guys are saying that you know, it tastes like chocolate, are you thinking like you know, oh, nice sweet chocolate? No, no, actually, no, 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 actual you know bitter cocoa, Dark semi-sweet chocolate, chocolate chips. No, like, literally, yeah, like, this tastes like a semi-sweet chocolate chip. Whereas, like, like what you get out of the bag. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. All right, all right everything all right, else okay, is yeah. like. Yeah, you say that, but then like, <laughs> like this actually makes me think of chocolate whenever I have it. All right, they did do a good job. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I, I would I would give this like an eight. I mean, I wouldn't go to this as a stout, which yeah. I think next like time go to stout. Right, we're gonna have a a dark beer next time. So like, I I wouldn't go to it like I would go to that beer, but I think this is just cool for the simple fact that it is a cookie dough. Stout. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the novelty, man. Yeah. The novelty. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I'd give it an eight for that. Okay, so as a novelty beer, I think I can get on board with you guys, but I'm going to be a little bit more critical. I think. <laughs> yeah, be Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> um. So to me, this beer tastes like a beer that we had several, or well, probably me and Joseph probably had like several years ago. Uh, do you remember Shiner's birthday cake stout? Oh, oh yeah, dude. Dude. yeah, yeah. This is yeah. what that tastes like. Slightly. It does and a little bit, yeah. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I can definitely get the chocolate flavor in there, and like, you know, I, I can see where you come from with the semi sweet chocolate to it. But like, and as yeah, Evie, <laughs> I know. 
Um, but I mean, as far as like, you know, the flavor in a beer goes, it's a bit too artificial for me. Really? Yeah. All right. That uh, like, you know, it just, it doesn't taste fully natural to me. And I think that's why I'm not the biggest fan of it. For what they were going for that they, they achieved it. Yeah. I, I, I uh, it definitely kind of has that flavor, I think in there, but like as far the, as it being a good flavor. Yeah. Like the problem, <laughs> the problem I have with it is that it's a stout with like that kind of artificial chocolate flavor added to it. Yeah. And that's why I'm just not a big fan of it. So I think I'm going to have to give it like a five and a half. Um, just cause uh, stouts my, you know, stouts my big oh, thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm always for like the big Imperial stouts and like, you know, I it, it, it this one just didn't check the boxes for me. So that, that, that's the only reason why I didn't really, you know, wasn't a big fan. Okay, Zach, <laughs> cream ale. All right, cream ale. I've got to say that this is probably uh, my favorite cream ale that I've had so far. Have to you my had knowledge. ours? I don't believe I have. That okay, was the well, thing. That's, that's why this one's your favorite. All right, well, yeah. But the thing is, is that it actually does taste a little creamy, and that's the crazy part about it is that I know I was dipping my cookie into a, <laughs> into a mixture of the two, and it tasted absolutely terrible. But the thing is, is that... I definitely think that mixing the two beers together, which I'll get to in a second, um, was a good idea. They did a good job just doing a pairing between two beers in general. So I'm going to go ahead and give that one a uh, 8 out of 5 just for being <laughs> a good cream ale. And I could drink that one actually on the reg for sure. Okay. Dope. Uh, this, this cream ale to me, the more I drink it, the less I liked it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was good starting out. It really had all of those creamy, sweet flavors. Um, it to me kind of actually reminded me of the funnel cake beer a little bit because it was so sweet. Yeah. Funnel uh, cake beer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the more I drank it, the more it was kind of like, uh, 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 mm, this is super sweet and it doesn't taste like a beer anymore. Like, uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind of what you were saying about the artificialness of the cookie dough. Um, for this one. But anyway, I'm gonna go ahead. I'll give this the cream version a six. Yeah. Word. Word. Okay. Scott. Um, I, I kind of had the opposite to you. Where when I first tried this cream ale, I was like, this doesn't really taste anything <laughs> like cream. But honestly, the more I sipped on it, it was like, oh wow, this is kind of like cream soda. Which <laughs> I like cream soda, so. Yeah, I like it. I, I don't think that it is quite as good as the cookie dough one. Um, I don't quite taste the arti- artificial flavor you guys are talking about. Um, so I'm only going to give this one like a seven and a half, but I do appreciate it a lot because, like I said, this kind of tastes like a cream soda, sort of. Right. So. Okay, yeah. So out of the three variations that we had here, I think the cream ale is probably my favorite. Um, so kind of like as I said at the beginning of the show, like typically a cream ale in a beer is not creamy. It's you know kind of light and crisp, almost a little bit like a light lager. But this one was this one was different. It, it had like you know the standard cream ale qualities that you would find in like an actual cream ale, but it was also s- a little bit sweet, um, sweeter than a normal cream ale would be. Uh, it had a lot of thick body to it is, is what I, what stood out to me most about this cream ale is that like they, they made it have a really thick mouth feel, which I think was kind of probably what they were going for, for the cream aspect of it. You know, 
because it's supposed to be a rich cream ale. So it was, rich it was, cream. yeah, it was, it was rich. It was thick as far as a beer goes. Um, I still, I feel like I had a little bit of that artificialness that, you know, kind of took me away from it. But I mean, as, uh, out of the three, I'm probably going to give this like a seven. So, yeah. Before we move on to the next one, do you think that maybe because the cookie dough didn't have quite as much coffee flavor to it, that that might be why you don't like it as much? It could be. Coffee is one of the biggest things I really like. Because it it just occurred to me that I don't think I really tasted much coffee, if any. No, there probably wasn't any coffee in this. Coffee is an optional ingredient when it comes to stouts. Mm. Um, Like A lot of the bigger imperial stouts will have coffee in it just because that's the popular thing to do. But um, like this is on the lighter side as far as stouts go. Um, so this is probably closer to like your typical, this might even be a milk stout. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Like it, it could be, which it is where be. they like add lactose sugar to it, uh-huh. um, which adds body and a little bit of residual sweetness so that it, it could kind of be like what, what that is and like added like the cookie dough flavor to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not really until you get to like the bigger stouts that they like add coffee to it. So there probably isn't any coffee in this one. Okay. All right. So, Zach, Zach. what do you think of the blend? Uh, Five. Absolute five. That was was nasty, man. Well, it wasn't nasty. It was just like, it wasn't good, man. It just, uh, you know what? Four. Four. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say five. Is this a four out of five or a four out of ten? Four out of ten, dude. (laughs) Four out of ten. It wasn't bad because they were two great beers, but whenever you mixed them together, one thing that I noticed that was weird, and maybe it was the way that I poured it or something like that, but it like became more flat for some reason. Interesting. Yeah, so I think you did cream first, then cookie? No, I did a... Well, wait, did we crack the cream first, or did we crack uh, the cookie? I, I don't know what you I was watching first. you, and I think you did cream first, then I cracked you did cookie. cookie. I cracked cookie first. I or God damn. I don't, I don't really remember exactly which <laughs> one I did crack first, because I was sitting there so excited about it, but I gotta say, uh, after I sat there and I mixed them together, I know that's like their recommendation, it kind of went a little flat, and then the flavors... Like it just, it was just a, it was just a jumble of flavors. It just tasted like a, a flavorful, overflavored beer, and and that's whenever you see like where the artificial kind of flavoring comes out that Brad's talking about is that it's just too much going on that you know that this isn't like a normal beer and that you're just drinking a beer that's had all of this artificial crap poured into it. And it's not crap. It's not crap. Martin House still made a really great comparison. This is a great beer for double fisting on a very, <laughs> very rare occasion for novelty. But don't don't pour it into the same glass. That's that's not right. That's not. <laughs> that beer ain't right. <laughs> I'm going to go home. <laughs> Joseph. Um, so... I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the mixed one, ironically. Um, <laughs> I, the way I mixed mine, it, I poured both of them in at the same time. And originally, I didn't like it as much. I, I was, as you can tell, you know, I don't have really any of the uh, separate ones because I was drinking them separately. I thought it uh-huh. tasted better that way. But now that I'm tasting this one that has been mixed sitting here for a while, it is more tolerable than either of them uh-huh. separately to me anyway. But yeah, so I liked it. It did a good job of kind of like opposite to what Zach said. It actually kind of knocked down some of the artificialness in the cookie dough for me. And the uh, rich creaminess of the cream ale sort of supported what was artificial about it in a a good way. And um, I kind of want to give this one like a 7.5 for the mix. It was good. 
like now it is, but yeah, starting out, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> All right, uh, Scott. Um, yeah, I'm only gonna give the mix a five. Like, I like the, there's something like I did half and half, and I did cookie first and cream, but I, I just don't think it really worked. I mean, to me, the the cookie is way too powerful and it overpowers any other cream that you really put in there. Mm-hmm. So maybe doing half and half was just wrong and maybe I should have done like a fourth cookie and three fourths cream or something like that. That would kind of make sense from like actual dipping a cookie. In well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. But it's just that the cookie was, in my opinion, more powerful than the cream. Definitely. And I mean, it makes an interesting flavor, but it doesn't really remind me of dipping a cookie in milk. No. Although I I really didn't drink milk, so <laughs> maybe, maybe I just don't have a good palate for this. But it it I I don't feel like the cream of this really adds to the flavor of the cookie right. and vice versa. Yeah. So that's why I probably only like a five for me. Yeah, understandable. Um, so I think for me, I, I'm, I'm going to have to agree a lot with, uh, Joseph, um, mixing these, uh, definitely took the artificial out of the cookie dough for me. Uh, definitely made them both a little bit more tolerable. Um, but I think it was still just kind of that, <laughs> I, 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 like, uh, once again, I really like Martin house, but it, it was, <laughs> I, I still had the ruined stout flavor. And oh, I think yeah. is, is what was going on for me in, in, in the blended one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how did you mix yours? Cookie first, or uh, yeah, I did cookie dough first, and then yeah. added the cream to it. Um, yeah, that's how I did it. Uh, so I mean, yeah, once again, if we if we can find another couple four packs of these, I'd, I'd like to do a controlled experiment. Yeah, we ha- I, yeah. Had to go to, I had to go to Austin to get these. I don't know. <laughs> so if anybody out there can find you know a couple four packs of these, you know, send them our way. Yeah, I'd like to do a controlled experiment. You know, do cookie dough first, then cream, cream, then cookie dough, then you know, pouring them at the same time. You know, different things like that. Try do to figure it. out. Like, what the tastes, like, you know, maybe do different proportionalities as well. Yeah. Because, like, I also did, like, you know, as close as I could to half and half. But, um, yeah, that'd be really interesting to see. Uh, I'd probably give the mix a six. Um, but, I mean, as as far as, like, you know, this beer goes, it's definitely, I think, a novelty. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For yeah. sure, dude. <laughs> they're, they're definitely not, you know, I, I don't think they're shooting for, like, you know, def- definitely not shooting for, like, you know, main part of their arsenal. This is definitely, like, a seasonal or one-off thing. And right, and well, and even the can artwork is like just really cool. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, you know, I like like regardless like of re- regardless of our scores, I think we all had a had a good time with this beer. It yeah. was, yeah, man. It, was <laughs> it, was, it was a fun beer. Dude. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Was, it. Uh, it was a fun beer, yeah. a roller coaster all the way through. For me yeah, because I had mixed feelings all the way through. Yeah, because <laughs> like like when 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 I brought the concept to you guys, I was like like. I was really excited. I was like, okay, so you have the one beer, and then you have the other beer, and then you have the beers together. And like, like that, that was a really cool, interesting concept to me. That was a blast. Yeah. So uh, I guess, like, I guess, yeah, excuse me. I guess this is Martin House's own uh, hop tail, as they call it. Hmm. Hop tails are kind of like, you know, um, you know, mixing beers or mixing other ingredients with beers. Uh-huh. Uh, cocktails, but with beers. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess this is like, you know, they're kind of hop tail, but like, you know, others that like we've had, like, like, Around here in Denton, they call it a snake bite, where you have the, oh, yeah. the half Guinness, half, oh, uh, half cider. cider, yeah. That was, that, that's really good. Hmm. It's um, an interesting in combination. That's always the last drink I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last drink he remembers before he completely blacks out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
But um, yeah, so like I said, maybe we didn't give you know the most stellar scores on this beer, but we all had a really good time with it. I gotta say, do one, do the other, and yeah. then mix them both. The experience will vary. I feel like for everyone because it isn't a. There's so many flavors going on with that thing, dude. It's it's mm-hmm. not something that you can sit there and say this is a good or a bad beer. It's like either you yourself personally is going to enjoy it or you're going to hate it. And uh, either way, it's always worth a try for this guy because this is my god. Yeah. It was still an interesting concept. Well, yeah. and you know, I think it might just also be that literally, you know, you have like a stout and an ale, which are kind of two different spectrums of. Well, I mean, a stout beer. is an ale. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, the flavors are <laughs> the flavors are very different. Yeah, you have Brad. a really dark beer and I have a really light beer. I, okay, get, I, get, yes. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, man. okay. <laughs> light side and dark side. Okay, here. we're mixing them together. Okay? The force. Yeah, the force. <laughs> My point was yes, you have these two very different flavor profiles of beer. Nice. And so, you know, one might appeal to you more than the other. So yeah. mixing the two may not result in something that's necessarily. Yeah palatable to most people yeah like i keep saying really like martin house um like even even on on the beers that like we don't like it's always because they're trying to like you know push the envelope a little bit and do something a little bit different well, do something kind of yeah. crazy i gotta say thing. the brewer does a great job because they are actually willing to uh try something new <laughs> yeah Absolutely. yeah yeah i've got um i've got I've got something in the cellar that I might pull out for um, our, our barbecue on Sunday. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I've got, uh, I think it's their, I want to say it's a quadruple. Something that they put like plum and something else in. Mm. That's one of their special releases. Um, Stone fruits. Yeah. But like, yeah, their, their special releases are always something interesting to, to check out no matter what, just to, you know, see what, what they're cooking up in there. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know my brother and his boyfriend are, are like, almost always over there at martin house like on, on a thursday night or saturday nice. night really yeah like they, they have like basically like an open brewery on thursday nights and saturdays um you go there it's like fort worth is a little bit different um with breweries like up here we have breweries with tap rooms and stuff like that yeah, yeah. down in fort worth you go and you pay like a ten dollar fee you get a pint glass and then you get three beers for the night oh dude that sounds awesome yeah so it's, it's a lot of fun it's to go bad. to them like you know we, we we did it once at rar yeah um i've done it with my brother and his boyfriend at uh, martin house once before we've done uh well we didn't do necessarily an event like that but we did do uh uh going out over to uh uh gosh you know which one i'm talking about for your bachelor party uh, those were all in dallas dallas, dallas is uh, a little bit different as well yeah oh, well lakewood i'm talking about uh lakewood well lakewood was, was you know still you know buy the buy the beers as you go yeah you're talking about pint nights and general though. yeah yeah like you know basically like when you go to a brewery in um fort worth like anytime you go to a brewery in fort worth it's a pint night you get a pint glass you get like three beers right 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 and yeah. they do their tappings up here but i mean just in general drinking at a brewery itself has got a very different experience oh yeah it's enjoyable yeah, it's a lot, and rewarding we should try to go down and visit sometime soon yes. yes 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 yeah Definitely. so uh, somebody austin flores i want to punch a robot as a cardboard robot I want to punch a robot as a cardboard robot, and Nintendo is letting me live my true dream. That's beautiful. That is, Hell yeah. That is beautiful, Austin. Bring it full circle. That's, that's a great way for us to, for us to end the show. Uh, so thank you for, for listening. Uh, you know, always check us out, beersoftheroundtable.com, Facebook, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, damn, I always like that's. Uh, you're good. Uh, Google Play, if, iTunes. If, if they have podcasts, you know, likely we're, we're on there. Yeah. Um. And uh, if if you want to see some cool homebrewing supplies, uh, supplies, go check us out at uh, beersoftheroundtable.com dot com slash homebrewing. Um. And yeah, 
Uh, I think that's about it. Thank you for joining us for our twentieth episode. Twenty episodes. That's twenty episodes. That's a, that's a big milestone for us, and we're really excited. Next episode, the episode will be allowed to drink. We're yeah. gonna pour. We're gonna yeah. pour beer on the, uh, on the mixers here. <laughs> we're, we're gonna pour beer over the equipment. All right. Yeah. So thanks for joining us. Join us again next time, and be sure to crack a cold one with uh with your boys and uh whoever else you crack a cold one. With.